skin and blister. We're two sisters. Supporting each other from across the pond. Welcome to Skin and Blister. We have a special guest today. Welcome, Simon. Thank you very much. Welcome, Simon. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, I just wanted to take a minute to shout out. It's Saz's 30th birthday today. Wait, actually, it would be two days after that we're releasing this, but Saz is 30. Yeah, happy birthday. That's a big one. Congratulations to me for getting this far. Do you have any like big, heavy feelings about turning 30? I think probably inside, but I haven't let them surface too much. I'm just doing lots of um, angsty running about, but I haven't, I'm trying to separate it from actually turning 30. Uh, well, I will tell you that your 30s are even more amazing than your terrible 20s. So I'm very excited for you. What about your 40s, guys? Simon would know. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> so far in the future, I can barely even comprehend it. But 30 um, was what hit me a little harder than I expected because I never put much weight on on that. And it wasn't until the day of my birthday that I was kind of like, I need to do something with my life a little bit <laughs> when I turned 30. Because uh, uh, like when you're in your 20s, it almost doesn't matter what you're doing. Like it's not, you don't get too down on yourself. Yeah, I've said 20s is the dress rehearsal, but now I've got to like, yeah. actually do something. It's so um, true. But as I was preparing for this pod, I went into the kitchen and I had a disaster moment because there was only one cup left for hot drinks. Oh, shocking. The <laughs> desert that was your cup. Um, shelf in your house you mean after you used 15 cups a day and we had to keep washing them i am not gonna lie i've never seen anything quite like that do you (laughs) is there like so so clearly you refuse to use the same cup twice it created a trauma for us is that a thing for you i have this weird thing where i feel like it's being used i never quite remember what it's been used for so i feel like maybe some chemical has got in there it's quite a I feel like it's not necessarily a normal trait, but I do always refill my shampoo and body wash in, I put them in cups to refill them. So then in my mind, any cup that's sitting about could have been used for that. Um, So I always use the new cup. This reminds me, It's something like mom, because whenever I visit them, I have a cup out for water and like, I just turn my head and I look back and it's gone over and over again. So maybe it's something you picked up. But yeah, but have you guys got more cups or are you still just on the bare minimum? We have enough cups. We have 20 cups, at least. Arguably, that is not enough. It it hasn't (laughs) been a problem for us, but... Like, for example, I, I have a coffee cup that I'm drinking right here. I yeah. just finished it. You know what I did? I put more in the very same cup. Oh my gosh. Let that be a lesson for you. It's probably the but only one I'll use all day. It, if it never left my hand, yes, I would go refill it. But also, I'm like, coffee. I would never put a, like, 
tea in the coffee cup, right? No, that like would I would be gross. never, I would wash it out, but I wouldn't yeah, wash you'd it wash out immediately. It. I would put it next to the sink, then I would get a new cup. Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. Okay, okay. I wouldn't good. cross contaminate. All right, we've spent enough time on the on Cupgate. <laughs> Thank you it for is the time. birthday wishes. Yeah, can't wait. This week we have something a bit different. Um, we're going to chat about with Simon about uh, some questions that someone who didn't grow up on the commune might have regarding how like our growing up years and the commune. Yes, I'm so excited to have an outside perspective here. Because like, I think a lot of things we just like take for granted that we know and then people are always wondering, well, let's dig into this more because that's interesting. So yeah. it'll be good to have that perspective. And I've obviously spent the last five years or so now talking about these things a lot with, with Calda and you and Greg. Um, but sometimes you'll say something just so nonchalantly that uh, I don't think you realize how like unusual it, it rings to an, an outsider like myself that I'm just like, wait, 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 what did you just say? So yeah, you're, you're just a little numb to some of it maybe. And I'm a little sensitive to it. To like some of the, just the stranger aspects of your childhood. It's fascinating to me as well. Speaking of Incredible. outsiders, says I smell guest smell. <laughs> we used to always say that whenever someone yeah. <laughs> who wasn't on the commune would visit, we'd just run around saying, I smell guest smell. Well, that is <laughs> like a perfect sick. illustration of what I was just talking about. <laughs> 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 Something else. That's a funny memory. Okay. Should we dive right in? Yeah, fire away, Simon. And we'll just answer, you know, take turns answering or whatever. I have some idea of some questions here and some that I'm just going to organically probably get to. But um, one thing I wanted to point out is your the pod's name, Skin and Blister. I love it. I'm sure you mentioned like where that comes from mm -hmm. many episodes ago, but the cockney rhyming slang thing for sisters i think it's it's hilarious i just wanted to for, for people ha that don't hear every one of your podcasts it's good to revisit that every now and then thank you for shouting that out it's one of the main questions we get so yeah i've heard i've seen yeah. people react like what does that mean um so all right let me just ask a question that uh i know you generally try to avoid using the the C word to describe your upbringing, cult. That's not my upbringing, so I, I have no such, uh, you know, feelings about that. But is there, in your mind, any practical yeah, difference between a cult or, or that you might that you might see on the news, or you know, periodically a cult somewhere will get a little bit famous? Um, is there any practical difference between one of those and just a small insular religious community like the one you grew up in? This is a very good question. I think off the top of my head, um, we always try and say with these questions that we get that this is just our opinion. And then we kind of try and find a um, diplomatic like a diplomatic approach to it, I guess. Uh, yeah. So the commune we grew up on versus a cult that you would hear about in the news um, I definitely think when you hear about cults in the news, there's always a kind of aura of um, 
sensationalism around them when you know when the news breaks you know someone got arrested or something like this um and sometimes it's hard to remember that there's like actual people involved there and it's kind of like oh like these people are you know so brainwashed and um despite that <laughs> i don't really know where i'm going with this but i just think like it's quite interesting for us because we came from there like we came from a similar kind of situation and obviously we there was certain elements of um institutionalism in in that like you could call that brainwashing for sure um but then i guess uh how that's like how like those people still have the same wants and desires as uh anyone right you know they want to love their family they want to be accepted all these things so i think I guess I would just come out with that first and then the difference between our upbringing and a cult because you want to jump in on that um I mean so I think there's several things which define the word cult I think one of them is you know actually could you go ahead and google it Simon I'm, I'd be interested in this but I think like when when the news talks about like these sensational cults it's often because there's some very sinister things going on there. Like, um, I don't know, the most famous one, like the Jonestown one is where they all drank Kool-Aid, literally. Drank the Kool-Aid. That's where it came from, obviously. Um, and often, like, they would have, you know, different weird things that kind of diverged from the rest of society, like um multiple wives or like ritual abuse or things like that um i think simon's pulled up the definition so i'm interested in, for him to read that out and then we can discuss it more yeah so first i should say i certainly mean no offense to anybody by characterizing it that way or i'm still not even sure if it would be characterized that way um one of the things that seems uh like an attribute of i guess a cult to me is kind of an us and them mentality like mm -hmm. it's you're either part of it or you're as you know as you've said an outsider smell like outsiders um, <laughs> guest smell <laughs> so that that to me uh you know applies a little bit however i'm looking at the definition of cult here and it is uh it's not flattering so maybe that isn't a great word for it it's it's a little more negative than i would have expected honestly but one of the attributes, it says, one of the definitions, a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. And that makes sense with a lot of the cults that, you know, like Heaven's Gate or Waco or whatever that pop up in the news, but not necessarily with yours. You know, you didn't have as much of like the leader messiah figure type thing. Hmm. Um, Anyway, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't want to a relatively small group of much. people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister, or a misplaced or excessive admiration for a particular person or thing, like a cult of personality. Um, I think, you know, there's a lot of shades of gray to this whole question, because I think you can choose to act like a cult or you can choose not to right and it's all about how you treat people within your organization um and 
your checks and balances are very important, right? So like if one person's getting too powerful, um, are there checks and balances in place, which can kind of, you know, walk, walk that back a little if, if they're starting to get a little too crazy or weird or, you know, hurting people um, through their ideas, right? So I wouldn't, I don't think it's, you know, a, something that's set in stone. I think it's quite fluid. Like it all depends on your practices and, and whether you're choosing to um, give people basic rights and um, respect their choices and opinions. And obviously in an organization like where we grew up, it's, it is hard to have free will and still maintain like this very insular commune. Um, so I think that like that can become an issue in that type of society. Um, there's also, I will shout out like a ton of examples outside of where we grew up, where I get these vibes of that are a bit sinister. Like for instance, even um, some businesses operate in a little bit of a culty yeah. way, like oh, pyramid schemes. yeah, pyramid schemes or um, oh, yeah. churches, uh, just regular churches or even religions on, or people who are too into like their politics, you know, that's all a little culty to me. So I, I definitely have like, I would say a, a cult radar and I, and I shy away from a lot of things where people seem too convinced about one thing go to like an alabama football game yeah exactly <laughs> and they're not willing to kind of see it with any type of nuance or or uh, they're not willing to question any of their beliefs yeah yeah and i just one thing to add as well we um we choose not to classify the commune we grew up in as a cult just as well because we have family and friends there and we want the best for them and like to to so it's a, it isn't we want to be respectful to their way of life yeah. that they've chosen because we really love them and um and they don't like that word obviously no one wants to be called a cult but um so we're just you know we're respecting um their wishes in that way yeah, but we also did leave that life quite for um, a reason. <laughs> yeah, so I do I I wouldn't put it past people to make up their own set of beliefs or to read between the lines per se. <laughs> mm -hmm. Have your own opinions, people. That's what we're all about. We'll give you the information and you can choose to believe what you believe. I would, I just wonder if some of them would have the same reservations about withholding judgment on my lifestyle. They wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> they would judge away. But that's one of the freedoms we have is to be a bit more gray in our opinions, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. You know, we're able to kind of go, oh, yeah, like you go... I'm trying to think of like a funny example that's not too serious. Like you go to the gym seven times a day. Okay, mm. that's you. Yeah, you do you, <laughs> babe. Fun. A little strange, but... And it's true. I really don't have strong feelings on, you know, it's kind of, it's very interesting to me. Um, <laughs> I certainly don't have a, an opinion against people doing what they want to do, you know. 
Well, let me ask another question to change the vibe a little bit here. What was the best thing about growing up on the commune? Ooh, good one. Bringing all the sides here. Saz, you want to go or should I? What comes to mind? Rapid fire. Rapid fire? Rapid fire questions. <laughs> uh, now we're a real podcast. Um, oh, gosh. Guys, go. go okay, go, go. I'm going to go. So to me, what comes to mind right away is uh, the relationship we had with nature and the outside world. I really valued that um, part of our upbringing. Just, you know, I just remember so many times of bliss, like being in the woods, making little fairy gardens, using my imagination to play. And it was a beautiful thing for me to have that kind of growing up. Another thing for me was like having the built-in friends, like being able to just um, go across the hallway and be and play with um, the neighbor's kids. That was really cool for me. What about you? I yourself? cannot get out of my head strangle soup. And strangle soup. Tails. Wait, you have to explain that. Uh, yeah. Strangle soup is potato, <laughs> green beans, and like little diced pieces of ham in this like cream soup. It's quite mm, now it's I so think good. about it, I'm really unsure how how it's made. Mm. And then uh, elephant tails are similar to cinnamon buns, but they're just long, <laughs> long pieces and twisty. Of yeast dough, and you have them at the same meal, so it's like one meal this soup and these cinnamon rolls sounds delicious <laughs> and strange <laughs> and strange oh wait one more applesauce and pizza delicious oh, yeah. that's a good one as a well. classic i have been made aware of that one that's weird um i think like learning to you know kind of be a bit self-sufficient as much as i don't use that lifestyle right now you know i'm not a homesteader um i go outside of the home to work and all that however i do i love that you know i could grow food if i needed to and um and i loved having all the fresh vegetables and it was very tasty a little bland because we didn't season them much but <laughs> it was nice to have them fresh I grew up kind of in some naturally beautiful places myself and spending time outside was super important to me so i get that mm -hmm. um always you know trying to surround myself with friends and whatnot too just when i was a kid but uh yeah i get it i do not envy kids now that are super into like video games and <laughs> it's know, a different so... way of life isn't it it we is didn't have any video games growing up but then some people really loved that when they were kids um, yeah that's something yeah, we definitely uh, missed out on, which I'm okay with, actually. Yeah, I was but like I in the sweet gonna... spot where video games were only entertaining for like 10 minutes because they were still very rudimentary <laughs> when I was a little kid. Uh, yeah. Did you um, have the snake game? Snake game? Just on those old Nokia cell phones. That's how we used to yeah. settle certain, like who's driving or paying for gas really? and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I had that we, uh, snake game when I first left in 2012, but nice. that's because I couldn't afford a phone, a smartphone. <laughs> I used to use calculators to spell spell out bad words. 
I think we all did that, didn't we? Yeah, that's what, universal. Yeah. What a rebel. Um, I was gonna say one thing. Pizza Hut does applesauce and pizza. They do. No, Is really. It pizza Hut, the one with the salad bar in it. Um, I think so. Don't really yeah. Go to fast food joints, do you? Not at all. Um, no. There's a Pizza Hut right up the street, and I have never been. I've there. never been there. <laughs> oh my gosh! We used to go to these fast food places. It was like the best thing ever because we, mm-hmm. we would do it maybe once a year, and we would all go. I think Pizza Hut, you pay, and then you can eat from the buffet. And I think you get unlimited pizza. So we would eat so much. And they always had applesauce as well in their buffet. Oh, okay. We, I, one of my core memories is like having to read 50 books as a class. I think we were like 10 kids or whatever. Once we read 50 books, we went to McDonald's and we got Happy Meals. And boy, was that special. <laughs> Did you get toys as well in them? Yeah, that was the best part. And also like... It was always so special to have, you know, like something material, right? Because we didn't really have any, like, we had like two toys each, I think. So like I had, we each had those dolls and then um, I had like one stuffed animal and that was like my worldly possessions. So whenever you got like any kind of little outsider toy, it was like the best thing ever. My friend had a someone had given her a poly pocket and I was so jealous. Like I always just wanted to go to her house to play with the poly pocket. Yeah. But I think kids are like that anyway. They Did are. Yeah. That growing up, Simon, like you would want to go to your friend's house who had a different game or something. Um, Simon's yeah. weird. I though. mean, I had some friends with like trampolines <laughs> and pool tables and stuff and I'd want to go to their house. Ping pong. But not a Polly Pocket. <laughs> no. <I didn't. laughs> My I bar was pretty low, me. Simon. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, kids get attached to material stuff. Um, you know, I didn't grow up with a lot of things necessarily, but I kind of grew up around a lot of people that did. And yeah, it just depends. Like spoiled kids don't think too much about their stuff. No. We went through that purging period where it was like this new idea where we purged like all of the toys and and playgrounds so we had nothing Mm -hmm. to play with like except for sticks (laughs) like literally when you know when people are like when i was a kid we only had a stick and a rock and with a hoop stick or whatever and that happened we had this like gorgeous wooden playground that we used to play on and they just took the whole they chopped it down one day because they wanted us to live a more simple life Oh yeah. Remember that. And then we used to paint rocks as hamsters, which was quite oh, yeah, strange keep because them we also pets. had hamsters. So <laughs> But rocks are good because you can have like eternal baby hamsters. And then if Sarah sticks them into like a little hole, they won't die because they're rocks instead of a hamster. That's a reference to when I almost killed Kez's hamster. It was very traumatic. Yeah, you all had a lot of little random pets, it sounds like growing up. Oh, yeah, our family was like the weird pet family. How many rabbits did we go through? At least 15, right? <laughs> and Greg had Greg had terrapins. What do you mean go through? Like, were you eating them? No, no, but like dogs <laughs> I mean, would just eat them. that did happen, yeah. 
Or they'd run away and live with the wild rabbits. Some families had rabbits that they ate, which was quite... Yeah, they did. It's traumatizing. We were never the eating type of family. We we didn't like to eat our pets. That's not for this it's the week of heart. Noble of you. <laughs> um, I, I kind of on that note leads to another question I had for you. What is the like most now unrelatable to think back and be like, I cannot believe we bought into that or believed it? Like kind of the craziest thing that you just believed wholeheartedly without questioning and eventually grew out of. Ooh, this is a um, big one. I'm- I'm going to jump right in and say working for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. I like so that. So they the way it's structured it structured is you um your food uh housing clothes are provided. So you see where I'm going with that. There is some sort of kind of duty of care towards the people there. But then you do the work doesn't like here in the outside world <laughs> when you work you get a salary or you get paid by hour um and you choose what to never, spend it on and you choose what to spend it on and there's definitely bills and stuff so you do need to cover those but usually you have a bit left over and you do fun things um with that but there um you you were always kind of working and it wasn't there wasn't a quantifiable amount you got for that work, um, which probably wouldn't have worked there uh, if everyone was getting a salary, because they would have run out of cash very fast. <laughs> Even Nothing though like their business labor. is successful, but um, probably because no one gets paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been a tough pill for me to swallow as well. Um, I get if you like grow up on a farm or something, you're going to have a lot of work that just sort of to provide for your your life or your family's life. But when you're working in like a factory for free, like a super capitalistic mm-hmm. endeavor, somebody's yeah. making, making that money, you know, that would be. And then when, when, you know, some people have like private jets and vacations, it's a little difficult sometimes to be okay with that, especially when it you is... don't get to go on vacation ever. <laughs> Yeah, but when I was there, I didn't resent it because I just thought this is... That's the way things are. This is my life. I have to just deal with it. But then mm-hmm. like now I've left and I've seen the the value of time and like what you can... It's not like I've been like, oh my gosh, money exists. It's not like that. It's more just like I don't want to do that again ever. Like I don't want to work for free um yeah in a factory yeah on on that topic like i remember um when i first started working once i moved here to Asheville, um and i got a job i a lot of it was in the service industry and a lot of like high school kids worked there and they were saving money to for when they would leave home and i was so jealous because i was like you get a chance at starting off with like some somewhat of a base um for and and your work matters like whereas for us we worked all the time and came out of it with absolutely nothing and had to start all over and that was like like you're right when I lived there it was like whatever you know this is how it works but once I left I was thinking like 
oh my gosh, like I, I don't have any way to start off here because, you know, everything I was working towards is now completely obsolete, you know, because I don't live there anymore. So I do think you're right. Like that's a very jarring thing to think about. You also didn't know the value of your work when you got out. Like it probably took you a little while to realize that because even like me, for example, when I was, you know, getting out of high school and living on my own, I wasn't working minimum wage jobs anymore. Mm -hmm. I'd already moved past that. And it sounds like you guys were just sort of just getting started. Yeah, we were. Yeah. And we didn't really value our labor at all. And we didn't have the skills to get any job that because if you think about it preparing someone for domesticity is pretty much what we expect what gets paid minimum wage in both you know the uk and the us so we were very good at um like food prep and these things that yeah are are great um things to know but Mm -hmm. don't get very well they don't pay they're not well valued in our society unfortunately yeah, our I mean, outside society. Like, I got minimum wage for a while, and but it was so exciting to have like cash and like, yeah, go out. <laughs> well, I value domesticity. Oh God, uh-uh. here we go. <laughs> um, for me, the first two things that came to mind um, were one, this is on a very different topic, but when I was really little. Um, we, we used to study the Bible a lot and have a lot of like communal meetings where we would read Bible verses and talk about it and all that. And one of the biggest things that I remember when I was a little kid made a big impact on me was um, if you have enough faith, you can move mountains. So I was like on this mission at, I think around 10 years old to prove that I had enough faith. So every night I would pray that if if God exists, he needs to move the mountain outside my window. And when and every morning I'd wake up and look and it was still there. And I was like, how the hell does this work? I must like either be really lacking in faith or this is not true. And then because I took it very literally. And then another thing I used to pray for was I had really bad eyesight. But I didn't want to wear glasses because I was like really embarrassed by them. So every night I'd pray that my eyes were healed and they never got healed. So I think oh. that was like the beginning of the end of my faith in like what we had been taught religiously was started when I was really little. <laughs> and uh, and then I thought, well, maybe I'm just praying for things that are too selfish. I'm praying for the wrong things. So there was a lot of guilt involved in that as well. But for me, that was something that I believed in very wholeheartedly for as a small child was, you know, that you could literally move a mountain if you had enough faith. Um, like and, a Jedi. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, one other thing that was pretty odd looking back was um, we went through this phase of really believing in demon possession um and Mm. there were i think it was around when i was you know 10 11 12 um maybe a bit older than that i can't quite fully remember what exact years that was but i remember like there were a couple people with 
looking back, some severe mental illness and depression going on. And um, they acted pretty strangely, um, like glassy eyed stare and trying to jump into a fire, stuff like that. And I, you know, I was fully convinced that because we had been told that they were possessed by demons and that, you know, we needed the church to exercise those demons um, and heal them. And for me that now thinking back, like, oh my God, that's nuts. But at the time I really believed it. And it was very, very, very scary for me. I had a lot of trouble sleeping because I was so freaked out by the whole thing. Yeah. Those are the stories that I'm like, it's not, it's not totally flowers and rainbows and innocence. Um, no, I, like do you nasty. think it would have been less scary if they had told us it was a mental illness? If it was just illness. Yeah. Cause yeah, there, okay. then there's a solid way to, you deal with that, you know, use no well, methods of feeding into it by saying that like, Oh, somebody might have believed that themselves that they were like possessed by demons because they allow the possibility of that to be a thing. You they know? did. They did believe that. It was crazy. It was so scary. And I just really? kept thinking like, what if a demon jumps out of them and possesses me and I run off and a cliff a with very... pigs or something like that. No, Bible that was story. like a very real teaching as well. At that point, I think now they're probably a little bit more aware of mental health. Yeah, that was a time, a, a real journey during that time. And I mean, in yeah. societies where like exorcism is a thing, it's going to happen a lot more where people don't entertain it as as real, you know, or things like that. Yeah. Um, for whether it's for attention or or yeah, they do have a screw loose. This is why I don't watch horror movies because for me, it's like I got this very real like feeling of being taken back in time to like actually being terrified of demons as a kid and like you would hear it like it was it was really intense like my friends would be like i heard that person who was possessed like screaming all night it's just uh, it's really terrifying sad. yeah it was really sad i really feel for the people that went that through person that was really ostracized as well yeah yeah it's really sad and that's not gonna help but no, yeah for us yeah. as kids we were terrified we didn't want to get near them because you know what if the G demon jumped into us like that's how i felt at least i don't know how other people felt but... that, that reminds me of visiting like salem I, i'm sure you're a little familiar with the salem witch trials sarah but it's unfortunately it's not lost on me how that could happen. Like, I don't think we've moved so far past that, that, mm -hmm. that it is just strange to think that so many otherwise normal people that thought of themselves as decent people can succumb to this like mass hysteria. And ostracization of someone because they're going through something that looks different, you know? You mentioned uh, studying the Bible. How much are we talking? Just how much did you study the Bible, like daily? Oh, yeah. You know, this is another thing that shifts depending on what year it was, right? Like, there's all these, it's interesting, there's almost like trends in that little society. But 
um, when we were kids, uh, we had this thing as kids called the Sunheart Group. And um, it was kind of this club you joined. You made vows. I can't remember what they were, but um, basically about following Jesus and stuff. And we would meet in like a secret location that we thought it was secret. I'm sure all the adults knew about it, but we were like, this is our secret, like Sunheart group meeting place. And we'd go there for an hour and do Bible study um, on a pretty regular basis. And then we were all given Bibles as children. Um, it was a ceremony when you joined the Sunheart group to be given a Bible by your, your dad. And it was like in a group meeting that, that happened. And we had um, up to three meetings a day where we would do Bible study with the whole commune. So yeah, it was a pretty prevalent part of our lives at that time. Saz, what do you have to add? I remember when, I mean, I remember all of that, but I remember when I left, there was like this big pressure not to kind of forget everything and become an outsider. <laughs> but, um, How's that working so out I for was you? Like, <laughs> I like moved to Hackney in London, which is a very diverse part of London. Um, and like my whole goal in life was to read the Bible once a day. Um, <laughs> so like, but you have to imagine turning up in Hackney in long, like a long skirt and, you know, I didn't wear the head covering because I, I had the smarts to not do not wear that. But to be honest, like Hackney is so diverse. It wasn't even that bad. But like I pretty early on realized this is not this is not where it's at. So I got myself some, I think, hand me downs from our, our sister who lives here. Um, but yeah, I like it's interesting because I do. I have read the Bible through. Um, through and through like the good christian i i'm not um mm, exodus but... is so boring isn't that where all the sons of sons of sons yeah but i was like i have to read this it was like one of my main goals <laughs> in life is like to read it through from one to whatever thousand um yeah i so like we knew it really well and they mm -hmm. would take stories and apply them I guess like any church would do right that's that's kind of the mm -hmm. yeah mostly from the new testament because like the old testament is like harrowing said before it's like then they killed the entire army of and raped all the women and used yeah, the children as slaves intense, intense yeah. yeah as plunder like, our dad used to read us old testament stories as bedtime stories that was, yeah. that created some nightmares. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one, but I can only remember the tent peg one where the woman, I think that's where I got like in my main feminine, feminism energy from is that woman driving the tent peg through the man who was doing something wrong, apparently in her eyes. She was like, it's time for you to go. <laughs> That's pretty gnarly. Um, I I remember uh, the one where like Abraham sacrifices or goes to sacrifice his son. And then God's oh, yeah. like, no, right at the last minute, he's about to stab him on the altar. 
things like that. Like as adults, we have the knowledge to deal with those kinds of stories is like, wow, that's bizarre. But as kids, you know, that's, it's pretty intense and intense <laughs> tent pegs. Um, but <laughs> it really like shaped this kind of, for me, a culture of like fear. Um, <laughs> Saz has collapsed um, <laughs> because like it was all these stories like if you look back and and don't look forward and God told you not to look back you turn into a pillar of salt and Sodom oh, yeah. and Gomorrah and just and I just grew up like being so afraid of you know being watched all the time by God and him knowing all my thoughts and just God forbid I have an mm. impure thought because um and that can be as innocent as like that boy is cute or whatever but I would just then be castra cast chastising myself sorry I couldn't talk for a minute inside my head because I was like oh no like that's you're gonna go to hell for that it it creates this like terrible fear of retribution um in kids when you read them that kind of story when they're really young yeah and they were very good at kind of someone would confess something um bad like bad in quotation marks and then they would read a story like so and so looked behind them and turned to salt and then they would mm -hmm. kind of be like this is similar don't look behind you you're gonna turn to salt which like now I'm yeah like, that I've looked behind me a lot and I'm still not salt so I love the salt life I think that uh <laughs> modern like Christians in America have done a pretty convenient <clears throat> excuse me convenient job sort of forgetting about that pesky old testament because it is tough to market that to a <laughs> modern audience um you know Jesus being like a nice likable guy that makes it a lot easier yeah you brought the new like the new way <laughs> yeah. yeah he he was actually like if you if you just read about like what kind of guy jesus apparently was um in the bible he's actually pretty pretty cool but uh i think we chose kind of the harsher approach a lot fire and brimstone yeah because in order to keep an organization like that you know going how you want it to go you you do have to incorporate fear into the teachings otherwise you lose control of, of people right so i mean fear is a great way to control a society mm -hmm. well speaking of sinning <laughs> um uh -oh. the were you envious of like the leaders um did they intimidate you like what was that relationship with them like Ooh. or at least your view of them they do you mind if i go first says yeah go go because to me they were like gods like at least prophets so they what came through them and out of their mouths as teachings was the translation of god's will right so i was definitely in a lot of awe of especially like the main leader um who kind of ran all the subsequent communes like each one had their own leader who was kind of under the one main guy right um and 
who made all the big decisions and told people to implement them. And I remember like we as teenagers would occasionally go to the one commune where he lived with his wife and all his progeny. Um, that was kind of the privileged commune, that one. Um, and we would all line up to meet him. Um, it was like a handshaking line. And I just remember like trembling as I like shook his hand and just like so afraid and excited to be meeting this person, you know, and shaking their hand and just um, hoping that I impressed them. Not mm -hmm. so much that I like thought they were cool. I just was afraid. Like they, they were the ultimate power, right? So you, you've got to make a good impression um, because the last thing you want to do is like stain your family's reputation or something by making a bad impression. Yeah, I, I actually was going to say similar in that I used to live in Florida for a year um, and they would come down there for vacation. That's kind of why they had that uh, house in Florida was so they could have a nice um, vacation home. And we, uh, when they came, we would have to put on these massive spreads and I was the cook or this, yeah, I was the cook for everyone. So there was all this pressure on me to like have everything timed right. And then they would be like, and then for breakfast tomorrow, we're going to have croissants, muffins, um, cut up for like fruit salad, um, like these massive breakfasts. So I would be getting up five o'clock and then it wouldn't for like the croissants wouldn't be baked perfectly on time so uh, i was in trouble oh my for gosh this. Um, you'd get yelled at in front of everyone like if it wasn't to the minute yeah we were in trouble and then they would so then they would stay around for a bit and it would be this like ultra pressure system and then off they would go and it would be like back to this kind of Peasant simple food. life which was yeah pretty <laughs> standard which was a lot easier to handle as a cook, um, like just making a soup or something. Um, but I did, I think this is one of the main reasons I did end up leaving is because I, I had that kind of reverence for them mm -hmm. um, at that point. But then I also realized these are just people, like they're just like us. I mean, I do. I wonder if there would be a very privileged of, people. Yeah, I wonder if it's like meeting a celebrity or like meeting your hero. If you See, would it's that. like a king. I was thinking about that, and I've met you know a couple of celebrities, or at least walked by them or something. And you get yeah, you can mm. you can get a little bit starstruck and heart skip a beat. But as a more uh, you know secular type of guy, I don't actually think mm. that this person's like superior. You're not afraid of them either. Yeah, closer to God or whatever you're probably thinking about the, the leaders, you know. Yeah, the, your interaction with them is not going to affect the rest of your life. Whereas yeah, in our case, it might. That that was the thing. They actually had a lot of power. So, mm -hmm. for example, I I did actually ask to leave um, like six months into when I was in Florida and they basically said no. And then what my mm -hmm. strategy was after that was I 
wrote to these the head guy and i was like mm. i want to leave and he was like okay leave and then like from then on that was like the word was spoken then the i word had of god from yeah. everyone else to like sort it out um but it's just that and it's just the fact that yeah like when they were around it was like it was like i guess it was like if yeah i mean if you were working the in part- a hotel and like uh elton john came along you would want to make sure you had an amazing time wouldn't you so but like what was worse than tips. that because elton john doesn't control your life <laughs> speak for yourself yeah but like, you would work really hard to get tips yeah oh, yeah, no, yeah yeah that sounds so bad okay let's make- no i get it like and one one thing i wanted to add is like sarah mentioned how you know if you got the timing wrong like you were publicly shamed i mean like I remember these times um, just on like our other commune location where someone who was in charge of dinner, like didn't have it hot properly or didn't have it finished in time for dinner. And it was like usually just one woman like in charge, like trying to prep everything at exactly the right timing. And they would like, the leader would just like yell at them in front of everyone and say like, this is disrespectful to all of us that you've done this and and it was just like the ultimate moment of shame and like embarrassment and it just was a culture of like being watched and of fear and like and remember like young people also represent their families and that's a big burden on your shoulders because uh god forbid your family gets in trouble because of you you know yeah that to me is just no different than somebody that yells at their server, their waiter or waitress, which is pretty universally recognized as one of the crappier things that a human can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just yeah. when when you put people in power, if they're not like great or if they get corrupted by the pi- power, happens in the regular world all the time. Um, they can become kind of a mini monster and, ruin, and hurt a lot of people. But- it's important to note as well these the elders are always the elders was what we would call like the the leaders were always older men and so mm-hmm. for example i was 18 when i was the cook and like often these women were very young women and it was kind of a real imbalance of power so mm-hmm. it's, yeah it's it's easy to yell at someone who has no power the thing is though you can't just walk away from it server can go like I'm not minimizing that experience, but a server can go home, say that was a customer today, like F them and, and like get mad, have a drink, move on here. You're like stuck in this ecosystem. Now everyone's looking down on you. Um, and they'll remember for years that you were the one who got yelled at, um, in front of everyone. And you'll have that stigma attached. Or burning the brat burst. Yeah. So it's, it's like a whole new level of like emotional abuse. So even your equals and your peers are kind of, they have a hand in sort of this because they're passing judgment and whatnot. Yeah. You kind of become dirty, right? You become soiled because you know, you've, you've now been shamed and it's very hard to like get out of that once that's happened to you. Yeah. I guess it requires Mm -hmm. their sort of corrupt cooperation to work also. Mm-hmm. Like people would be put into exclusion and not be allowed to talk to anyone. 
for however long the church decided, like be it three weeks. And they'd still have to go about their day to day within the commune and see everyone, but everyone would ignore them. It's like really, really intense. A few other things that are a little lighter I wanted to ask you. Um, let's see. So I have an older brother. Um, he was a nightmare to grow up with. And <laughs> Shout out Colin. We tortured each other. He definitely tortured me <laughs> more. Um, so I can only imagine Kelda and her competitive streak and <laughs> what it would have been like to uh, grow up with her as an, as an older, probably bigger sister. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to go in a different direction. What was the best thing about having Kelda as an older sister? Oh, that's sweet. Well done, Simon. How old are, what's the age difference between you and uh, your brother? 20 months. And ours is months. like two years, so similar. Similar, similar vibe. vibe yeah. Ours is actually probably everyone. 20 months as well. Cause yeah, 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 yeah. It is actually exactly. Uh, what was oh, the wow. best thing about growing up with? It was interesting. I'm just thinking about high school because I feel like Kez kind of paved the way a bit. You you would do things that maybe you would get in trouble with and then I would just sit there watching and then I'd know <laughs> not to do them. Glad I could um, help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm trying, I mean, it was great. The thing about having a so massive family. that was the family, best thing. No, that wasn't the best thing. But it was, for example, when, when we went off to public high school, you know, like the first time you get on the school bus, stuff like that, having an older sibling, having Kez there was like super comforting because it was like, it was really scary going to the you know mm -hmm. the first day of school as, as I'm sure any kid would have. But um, having Kez there was really uh, comforting. I think you were really nice to me as well. I think like we did sometimes fight for sure, but like we were in art class together. That was fun. Were we in art class together? Who knows? I have no idea. Maybe. It's all a blur <laughs> for me. High school. Probably possessed by a demon. I was. <laughs> Still am. <laughs> but um, then I think coming together. Yeah. So having Kez around was certainly a big relief to me having a big sister around made my life a lot easier. And then as adults, we've grown closer and closer through um, doing a pod together. <laughs> yeah, now my brother and I are like best friends. Now. I love and you too. I wouldn't trade him for anything, but I was, you could not have convinced me. We, we were pretty friends when I was a kid. We were not friends as, as kids, like, we were when we were younger, I think, but as teenagers, there's a lot of rivalry going on, I think. Yeah, we were but... kind of friends, but we also like got, you know, we were kind of friends with our other friends more than being friends with each other. Tolerate yeah, each that... other. Yeah. Yeah, but in the same vein, like we were, I do remember you being really, it was really comforting having you there in high school. Because I think first when you joined, it's like, oh my gosh, this is very different. Well, I'll flip um, it again. And Kelda, what was the hardest thing about having young Sarah around? 
Wait, you're you're giving me the negative thing and you gave her the positive. Yeah, I mean, because it's different, really different dynamic with an older sister versus a younger sister. I'm more interested. Um, like... So I also loved having a built-in sib, sis, friend. But um, I'd say the hardest thing was like, I I think I uh, says sometimes tattle tailed on me <laughs> about certain things and I would get like so mad and uh like she she would tell our mom like uh Kelda has crushes on these boys oh, and I was just trying to like stay under the radar with that and she's like Kelda keeps flirting it's really embarrassing I stand by it to this day <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have a crush on Simon. Maybe I shouldn't poke that bear. <laughs> um, no, that's funny. That's interesting. Um, all right, another one. I I uh, grew up, as you probably know, Sarah, I was a vegetarian growing up and actually stayed that way. Stayed one until I was 27 or something, 28. Like strict vegetarian, never ate meat on purpose or anything. Um, I do now, but... I was really skinny for a long time. Um, and uh, what is your favorite uh, dish to cook or to eat? Now. Vegetarian dish. Yeah, now. Uh, ooh. Um, vegetarian. I would say I love lasagna. That is my answer throughout the ages. Because we used to have these massive lasagnas as kids. Mm -hmm. Those are so good. If you imagine like a traditional casserole pan, is that a measurement? Yeah, yeah. like a big casserole pan. Coming back to Americans measuring things. <laughs> About the size of a cat laid out. Yeah, if you spread a cat out, that's how big a cat is. <laughs> uh, anyway, we would have like a whole lasagna in there and you could eat as much as you want. I would say that's one good thing about the commune is like, when you ate you went for it and they generally always had refills so i yeah, yeah as a kid like every time it was lasagna day i just went for it like i would say six maybe three portions of just massive like chunk of lasagna and they went they weren't they didn't script with the cheese either which yeah I, I always tried impressive. to skim the cheese off the top and get that good crusty cheese off the top so yeah. I would like, I would make the spoon angled to where it's like mostly cheese and then like a little bit of noodles. Oh my gosh. But the noodles were amazing as well. Anyway, but I, I still make lasagna and I still love it. Um, and then my favorite thing to eat is probably tiramisu, which weirdly has the same vibe as lasagna. Yeah. I've it's like it. a casserole. It's like dessert <laughs> casserole. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But what about you guys? What's your, what's your favorite vegetarian dish? Simon? Ooh, that is a good question. Um, and there's a lot of Mexican food that I prefer vegetarian, like tamales, mm. just green corn tamales. Uh, mm. I would have said Indian food, but I spent last summer in Indian food and I got so burnt out on it. <laughs> um, I, do, but it's, I love curry. Oh my gosh, that's a good Me too. Food. It's so good. I do like curry. Yeah, a lot of veggie options. Uh, you know, we went out for like pizza last night and we got vegetarian and it's, it's like our favorite pizza. It's delish. 
delish white white pie with tomatoes and basil on it mm. so good it's our fave ruined so many cultures in one small sentence <laughs> <laughs> white pie for starters pizza pie <laughs> i can't and then basil and tomatoes <laughs> well say it. americans would understand basil white pie. basil Oh, We've taken uh, both Greg and Roz to this place, and they liked it a lot. They Se sure did, separately. but they don't have vegan options, so sorry. I do love pizza. They don't have any vegan options. I bet they'd make you one with just tomato sauce on it. <laughs> I am partial to that one. Really? Garlic. That is if you so... have good olive oil and good garlic and good marinara, as the Americans call it. That's the worst part. Um... Pizza is probably one of my favorite foods as well. Oh yeah, me too. I, I actually, I've I've had a a re falling in love with pizza this last year. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's incredible. I think I got a little burnt out on it over the years, but now I'm back. Back with vengeance. Um, yeah, I don't have any like, and real strong, like one dish though. We're always we always like make dinner. And it's often vegetarian stuff. And we're like, this is so good. We need to remember this for next time. And we always talk about like keeping a living document going so we can go to that for ideas and inspiration. And but do we do it? It just never happens. No, we don't. <laughs> it's um, funny when I visited you guys and then the one meal, I was like, I'm going to cook tonight, get ready for some amazing vegan food. It's like my life. That's all I do. I own a coffee shop, get ready. And then I just completely destroyed some tofu in a pan and i was like well that's what you have to eat tonight so i almost, yeah must have blocked that out <laughs> yeah you just you forgot but it, it. Was, it was so bad it was soy good i lo i love tofu though <laughs> let's have a moment of silence <laughs> i know yeah i love tofu as well um Joining. should we do how, where did we get to with the questions yeah, Simon. How I don't doing? really have. I'm. I'm about done. I was. I want a word of wisdom from Simon. I am not Ooh. prepared for that. Come on, Sai. What's a word of like? I've listened to a just few a word podcasts. of advice, you know, for everyone. Um, they're very random. They are random. Time is your most valuable resource and that is true for everybody that might be listening right now and sometimes we lose track of that and whatever else you have going on in life try to appreciate oh that's really good that was a winner time after was... time um because do you have a word of wisdom for us as well um yes if you want to have a good solid relationship you've got to be willing to put in the work and then you can be like me and simon so much work so, so much work speaking of not so getting paid work. for work yeah <laughs> that is true relationships and like family is like the, the it's so much work isn't it for. You get compensated in love. Um, 
I've got one specifically for Simon and Kelda, and that is sort out your cup situation ASAP. <laughs> How many cups do you think we need? Like, yeah. We have like 20 coffee. We mugs. rarely, like, I've, the only time we've ever used every single mug was when you were here. Was the first day I arrived. So my word of wisdom for you is to get your cup use under control. When they say drink eight glasses of water a day, they don't mean eight different glasses necessarily. They mean fill the same glass eight <laughs> times and drink it. But I drink hot water, so I'm using a like mug Dear for all of those. So high maintenance. Anyway, thank you very much, Simon, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, mug thank today. you, that Simon. An incredible addition. Yeah, it was my pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was Very kind of you. Interesting stuff. I always am fascinated by the com- these conversations and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime in the future. Thank you. And yes, you're always welcome on the pod. You're our favorite guest of all time. Don't tell Greg. <laughs> I Yeah, I just say he's right our now. favorite brother of all time. Anyway, yeah. Have a good week. Ciao. You too. Have a good week. I'm checking out. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Happy 30. Yes. Woo. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Skin and Blister. If you have questions or comments, please email us at skinandblisterpod at gmail.com.